This podcast covers subject matter that may not be suitable for all audiences, especially young children. Hi, everybody. This is Luisa Yates. Welcome to Beauty Boot by Checkup Project. What is Beauty Boot? In every episode, we will address a topic important to youth. Exploring electric areas, digging deep to find tools and tricks that our listeners can use. Specifically, we will talk about our identity as Inuit, our communities, and our relationships. We will talk about many hot topics including sex, alcohol, sexually transmitted infections, gender identity, and Inuit pride. As Inuit youth, I want to hear what our own people have to say about these things and see what other youth think. We will also have input from people all over Canada and from you, our listeners. So contact us via Checkup Project Facebook page. We want to hear what you have to say. This is Luisa Yates. Welcome to the show. This is Beauty Boot. Today on Beauty Boot, sex that you feel ready for, sex that you want, a place where you are emotionally safe and far from sexually transmitted infections like HIV, syphilis, gonorrhea, and chlamydia. Today we talk about sexually transmitted infections. We will talk with Bridget, a nurse working in Nunavik. I will ask her all you need to know about getting checked. But first, Let's talk. I have to confess, I am a total statistic nerd. I love to read about numbers, see about numbers, and um, I needed to dig deeper. So in order to get more information, I did a telephone interview with the director of the Nunavik Regional Board of Health and Social Services, Minnie Gray. Hi, Minnie. Hi. Hi. Thanks for being with us. So we're doing a show on STIs, and uh, we're doing a podcast called Beauty Boot. So basically, in a nutshell, um, we're hoping uh, you would be able to tell us more about the numbers for the region. Um, 
to siyah at kahujibugo. There, that's my long answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, why do you think STIs are going around in Nunavik? Takwa nuli amniko anya tango kuna tui aitutu aitutu di Saudi episode. So, in what else anya hatwa kuni makuwelani ilalivinio kuni aitui sakok asila takwa asiani um ila hatu vinit salat ni uti aitutu di sarevok tei me ma ikpasauti yepionato um Tagga inu sutuni tukisimat siya magayalohoy yugo ima taktat sa mga tsena ay pahaso ng minaksal matino street tako anya tapni mi ekpatristyo na pamata how yma yelahoy yugo gonorrhea chlamydia syphilis tako Pita hatu akpatanun alimmi. Hawi saktaw yaktu hatang itu akpata. Nia siok timlu mamisaw dita hatang itu akpata. Nia siok timi takwa pokto si waliatuin na lang ayuin. Taga nautuin na takun yaktaw siak. Hawi saktaw yaktu siak tuwin yung uni. Ilaha hatta lang uni. Taimimma. Hawi saktaw siya hatta huyibugo ay tututiw hatta huyinginata tamak kuninga aniyan. I'm wondering if you can tell us if we have HIV in the region. Tamaanin yun na rin ni asapiyo kupit ko sayang ni amisong ito galwa pitali tako alo hawi satwa kati aniyan siyok titigo HIV yun na aktami asapiyo kupit ko sayang ni Pita kagayang hao ito agati anya siya dito matitaw siya dito ipigigaw siya stilo hao yamat siya dito ikpaturin ni dito tan tusaw minakto siya ikpaturin ni dito hao yamat hao yamat gumagot si tayo may hupat ko hap niya gumagot si anya siya dito matitaw siya kung nagat si hao yamagaya hapto si Takkulu annia siukti tuinne, annia siukti marillu Pinasua hatikit siakatta reelivu Kamarijaut siakatta hujigatta Ammalu nunalittini saputisima jaut siakatta hujigatta Annia hangitut siang hujigatta Alright Tupisinattu siya Can you give us a quick reminder If we don't want to deal with an STI How can we protect ourselves? Anya tarikuti atau tiga orang itu amisualuit. Anya dah hatta mangi dah usupunginnya tu tiada hatta realit. Ammalu tu kisima hati tiada hatta uti ilagi langa jamini. Ammalu anya siokino how how ia sabda orang tu tiada hatta uti. Naulutinilu how ia mangi daraya ni ilah hatta ilah hatta uti. Nuna luhaw yima yawgea hapmi yu Ima ilaha hatta oma ngkubi Yutsaw yore ngkubi Nuli hapni miyatu inaw Ngitu yore yore Tana ifi namini Tigo miya gaviyo Tame itumi tukitaksi matsiya Rehaktutin Anya tarikuti unakpaw man 
amalo um ila hatlanga to ago binyole ni um ato ti hatawit hawi sakta siya hatawit iluna lima tiya hamata amalo nona lisi atunaytu siya ni aman um ima kangunak tungo ima taman na um ukaguti hatlugulo ikayoktaw maguti hatlugulo ania bilyare ni kangunak kangusugubi um ikayoktaw na siya kiti Ohari kaum nasihat siak tu tilu. Hari Sabtu siak teriksi. Alright. So that's mengamitkan ulirat sehari sehi. Takut ohari tak teka tu kesimatit siaga suaroti umat ika yok siaroti siaga suak teka. Kini kami luni ini tulis tara soangin ada kisah ni hanuing itu kuih suka taman lupiu situin nama inu hati ini ko katima hatta ni nautuinan luni ofaluni nulia ni tanah kangunak tualu tito yaktilu ohaya hoyosong ni mak kisah ni ohaku tiga hatta hati ko inu siu ilavin mau ohau tiyalla honga Nauli macet, cik Imat, ania hang itu saya hoji kata, itu tu dia kata hoji ni sebelu, tamak gua tu sama jauh di siaga kasualah hikat di nakok ni. Alright, so just a reminder for all of our listeners out there, we will be having links on our Facebook page checkup project. If you'd like to get additional information on how you can keep yourself safe. You can always go and check us out on Facebook. Um, again, we have CLSCs in all the communities. Um, they're safe environments. They're private, and uh, confidentiality is always a priority. So uh, don't be shy. And it's like getting a checkup uh, at the dentist to keep your teeth healthy. It's it's the same concept. So. Again, thank you, Minnie, for this interview. Hilali, nakapunito. So, I have a beautiful roundtable of youth um, here to share with us. So, I have Lucy, Ciesi, Alexa, Sophie, RJ, and Olivia. Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome. So um, we all know what it's like uh, to be living in the communities and um, to go and get our checkups done in our CLSCs. But I'd like to hear from you guys what kind of stigmas might be around um, the whole process. Also, what sexual health really means to you guys and what safe and healthy sex uh, experiences do you guys have, whether you have gone through it yourself or you have witnessed it. So I'm going to have the um, table open to all of you guys, and I'll really leave it up to you guys to push it in the direction you want it to. You know, there's a video on the checkup page, on the Facebook checkup page of this gorilla sitting outside of the checkup room, and it says, like, don't feel so out there. But that's exactly how you feel when you're sitting in that hallway. <laughs> yeah. You feel like a giant freaking gorilla and everybody walking by you knows where you're going, you know. Back home, 
the the regular nursing is over here sexual health if you walk towards their mat everybody knows what's going on you know yep and and it, me i was embarrassed like getting checked up embarrassed i was i didn't want to get checked up you know i didn't know anything about it, it was super embarrassing for me yeah. and but it's not embarrassing at all every human being does it that's the craziest thing Human beings get checked. Everybody, whether you're white, green, native, Eno, Spanish, whatever. Everyone. You have to get checked. And in my mind, I was the only stupid little 18-year-old girl who shouldn't have had sex with that guy. And I probably now have something. And I feel shame. And I'm sitting here. And everybody knows exactly which room I'm about to walk in. And they know I'm not pregnant. So I may have something, you know, like embarrassing. It's so bad. So creating different ways to get checked up, like we always talked about um, if we could pee in a bottle and just go deliver it, you know, discreetly and they'll call me back or anything. So looking at different ways of that, because me as an 18 year old, I was a very late bloomer. I had my first time I had sex, I was like 17 years old, you know, so it was to me 18 years old. I was like, oh my God, I gotta go get checked. How embarrassing. <laughs> and I'm an adult, <laughs> like an adult, you know, quote unquote. Quote, unquote. I'm an adult because I'm 18, but I have no experience in this and I feel like an idiot. I, I work in sex education full time and talking about STIs and sex and um, getting checked up. And like my job uh, or my like day job which is like a job I really love, is to explore uh, the barriers around sexual health that are specific for Indigenous people. So I do workshops around this across Canada now, and um, it's it's such an interesting thing to hear. Like people just confirm everything that I've done uh, research on for the past like year and a half and how there is still so much stigma talking about sex and sexual, like sexual health specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I remember like even myself when I first started in that job, like I couldn't even say the word sex without feeling my voice drop. Um, But now that I say it all the time, like it's interesting when I go into like a lot of indigenous spaces because I recognize that, you know, sex is a very taboo subject, like just as taboo as talking about sexuality and gender and how... We need to be able to have more conversations about this. And if we don't have conversations, we're going to see an increase in babies, which we're already seeing. And a lot of that could have maybe been prevented if our parents weren't afraid to have these conversations either. But what I've realized is like sex is also a point of trauma. And there are a lot of language like barriers that exist, especially in Indigenous settings that talk about, that don't really talk about sex and were removed through like the residential school period and throughout colonization. And and that has had huge systemic impacts on um, like the indigenous population. And I think even the word indigenous, when we talk about like sexual health can also even become a barrier because usually when we say indigenous, I know so many people just default to First Nations. Mm -hmm. And if we default to First Nations, that means Inuit and Métis are going to get left out and that becomes a health barrier. And what I've realized is the, the barriers that exist for sexual health and being able to access sexual health um, is different from like, Inuit, Métis, and First Nations. And that's a really important thing to distinguish when we talk about sexual health and access to sexual health because the stigma looks different 
Um, and it also depends on where you are in in Canada and how you're able to access that. But there's so much stigma, and I, I can't get over how much stigma there is. But it happens all the time, and we have to, you know, be able to communicate um, with our kids about what does consent mean, what does that mean in regards to sex, what does um, sex look like, and like how do we learn to have these conversations in ways where we can communicate to young people without feeling nervous or feeling shame or any of the stigma that is associated with it. But it's especially different, too, if you are, like, woman or look like a woman and you talk about sex versus if you are a man and, mm-hmm. and or look like a man and talk about sex and how there is this inherent over-sexualization of women who decide to talk about sex, even if it's about sexual health and their educators, as opposed to men. And as someone who's, like, lived most of my life looking as an Indigenous woman and now appearing more masculine, the way that I get treated, especially around the subjects subjects of sex, is significantly different when I was perceiving as a woman. And how I can sit with men and we can talk about sex and it's not inherently sexualized in ways where if I was perceiving as a woman, it would be significantly different. So gender and that role of like masculinity and femininity even impact when we talk about sex and stigma. And it's usually women who are the ones who are the most shamed around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that also needs to change um, within like these conversations too because it is incredibly unfair the things that women get put through in regards to sex and the silence that they're forced into um, that men are not silenced around. Mm-hmm. Having grown up in the North, um, I was very pleased with um, the nurses coming into classes starting at a very young age to talk about STIs and different issues that are correlated with having sex. And the moment I found out birth controls were free, and if you were at a certain age, you did not need your parents to come with you to the yeah. clinic. I actually lied to my dad and said, uh, I'm not going to get a ride from you after school today. I'm going to go with a friend. I didn't go with a friend. I went straight to that hospital right after that sex talk from a nurse. I went straight to the nursery. I'm like, I'm here to get a birth control. They're like, how old are you? Like, does your parents know you're here? I'm like, no, but I am at the age of. So ever since I was... Uh, I was 15 or 16 at the time. I, I never, My parents never knew I was on birth control. I was sexually active, but they didn't know that. And I've had like one or two like pregnancy scares, especially for a 15-year-old. You're like, my parents are going to hate me. I, I, I can't raise a child. So I was like, nope, birth control. And so even the nurses were like, I wish more students yeah. your age could come to the clinic and ask for free birth controls. <laughs> I got birth control so people could think I was having sex, you know? Because when you weren't having sex, you were the freaking nerd. You were the nerd. You were, like, the one that was left out. So I'm like, oh, if I'm taking birth control, they're going to think I'm having sex. So I was on birth control and I had sex <laughs> I was on There's birth control so for many years, like the pill. Yeah. And I'm very bad at it. Like, I would forget. And that's how I got pregnant. Oh, really? I got pregnant because I fucked up my birth control. The IUD, the IUS. So, after I had my kid, I went straight there and I said, I want IUD now. And I've heard horror stories of the IUD. I've heard horror stories. Yeah. And the worst part is the night before I went to get my IUD, um, I read in Cosmopolitan of like three women talking about their horror stories. And I was like, what the hell am I about to do? Yeah. And you have to stick these pills in you. 
No, it's not a pill. It's like a little device. No, no. The, a tea the, device. Before you oh, yeah, go, yeah. you have to... The dilator. Numbing the, thing, the dilator, you know? Yes. So you stick these things in you and then you go. And I was freaking out. My doctor, like, she's really cool. I just, like, we're friends, you know? We talk. So I went in and I was like, okay, I opened my legs. And she's putting this thing in me. Then she gets up and I'm like, are you done? She's like, yeah, I just need to cut it. I was like, what? I was like preparing myself for horror for the most pain I've ever felt in my life, you know? And she's like, no, 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 I'm just going to cut the string. And I was like, okay, that's it. And then people are like, you can't go to work. You're going to feel like shit. Me, I, w- I walked to work. I'm like, I just got an IUD, yo. And I carried on like regularly. And I've had this IUD for almost like two years. I've had no problems whatsoever. I don't feel like crazy hormones or anything and i'm like i don't have to worry about anything you i know? think more of the horror story is when the ied is pushed up uh-huh. the cervix and i've had a couple of friends come down south from nunavik because they had to get it surgically removed okay uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. like in beds in yeah. your wall i'm i'm gonna uh steer your <laughs> i don't want to be scaring people i don't want to be false yeah. advertising <laughs> any kind of things like this i think all this yeah, conversation IDs are great. Get birth control, <laughs> any birth control, whatever is good for you. For sure, all this conversation is really great conversation. But just to get a little bit more on track here, guys. Um, so, you know, Olivia had her story about how she um, decided to have a procedure done. And she went into um, the doctor's office feeling a lot of anxiety based on things that she was reading the day before. So... It wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be, basically. No. And it's often like that for many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, like the conversation that I had with um, the nurse and the doctor previously, we spoke about how uh, physical checkups usually aren't that difficult. And they're not painful. And most times, it it's just peeing in a cup and you bring it back. They send it to the lab and then they call you to mm-hmm. say you're clear or not. Mm-hmm. And no, they don't call you if you're clear. Only if you have something, they'll yeah, call you. Yeah. But if you request yeah, for it, they could call you. They can call you. So that's for um, infections such as um, gonorrhea and chlamydia. But then there's also a surge. There's an outbreak pretty much of syphilis. And syphilis is basically a oldest time sexually transmitted infection, but it's in the blood. And so it has different symptoms, symptoms that may not be as um, itchy or burny as chlamydia or gonorrhea. So there are different ways of testing, and some of it may be by blood test. And you'll have a blood test done for syphilis and for HIV. And And then some other times you'll have tests like a pap smear where they will go in with a Q-tip and they'll take a culture and they'll send it to the lab. But all of these tests are basically harmless. They they don't hurt. Mm-hmm. They hurt your ego more than they'll hurt you mm-hmm. physically yeah. is basically the bottom line. And when you talk about all these stigmas, like being the gorilla outside of the office, this is something I think everyone has gone through. And it's easier for women to do it because you never know. Maybe I'm going for my yearly pap test. Mm-hmm. But men don't get pap tests, right? So oftentimes... It's the women who are going to get the test and not the men. So men may have many more stigmas around, you know, women might be the gorilla outside of the office, but then the men are the elephants, right? So (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
So we talk. And about- I don't. And as a woman, I don't understand what the man's test is. You know, I don't know what they go through. Maybe if I knew what the men had to go through, what do they do? They just pee in a cup. Do do what do they do? Maybe if I knew, then I could encourage other men to say like, "Hey, it's not as bad as." You As think you think it is. Because I don't know what men have to do. What do you have to do to get tested? See, so if we could <clears throat> notify them saying, this is what's going to happen when you walk in there. Because I didn't know what was going to happen. Man. I had to sit on this bed and they're like, put your butt down lower. Lower. And it's just like <laughs> awkward. When you're yeah. sitting there naked and exposed. Half naked. But, but I don't take off my shirt. Check <laughs> up eggs. Yeah. It's. Yeah. But really, what do you have to lose? I mean, again, you're going to bruise your ego, but then in the long run, you have your health to gain. Actually, mm-hmm. treat checkups like a dentist checkup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you want right. nice, clean teeth, you're going to go get that done, right? Well, you want a nice, clean interior and exterior body, you go get the checkup done. Yeah. Right. Like, it, your body's not going to be like, red flags, I need help. No, you need to get that checked. So it's, uh, it's different. I'm going to go back a little bit to what Olivia had mentioned and um, how it used to work for men to get their checkup was it used to be much more invasive and they used to have to take a swab culture inside their penis. Oh, they don't do that anymore, though. They don't. They do not do that anymore. So it's much less invasive. It's mm-hmm. um, a lot less painful. And now most times it's either through a blood test or... You pee in a cup. And again, what do you have to lose? Your health. So I think your health is more important than your ego in the end, right? So what do you guys feel about that? How do you feel about that? What is it like in your communities for men and women to go and get their checkups? Just do it, okay? What if something happens and, you know... You're too scared to You're too scared to do something about it and it gets worse. Then your health is gone. Like, just go and get checked, okay? Please. Every year, twice a year, three times a year. It's actually, if you have multiple um, partners, let's say I had five within a month, um, and I'm not sure what's going in me, it's good to get checked every three months. Whereas if you have a single partner or one or two within a couple of months, it's uh, every six months to a year, depending. But uh, I highly recommend every three months when it comes to very sexually active people. And especially up north with music festivals Mm -hmm. and hockey tournaments Mm -hmm. and, you know, people getting wasted and waking up, you know. Get tested, whether Mm -hmm. you remember or not. (laughs) Get tested. Even if you don't know, just do it. It's free. It's free. Go get tested all the time. Like, it's free for us. These services are free and they are not for other people. So... Let's take advantage of that. And free birth controls. Yeah. Get your free condoms. Get your free birth control. And then get your free con. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Get your free condoms. Get your free birth control. And then get your free con. That's nice. That's nice. So... Yeah, we we talk about all these kind of different um, sexual transmitted infections. And uh, we talked about syphilis, but we didn't talk much about HIV. Now, HIV is something that's more prominent in um, urban settings or even uh, other communities where they have intravenous drug users. Um, This isn't something that is 
necessarily an issue for us in the north. I'm knocking on wood here. But HIV does exist in Nunavik. It is not something that does not exist. So, like anything else, you know, um, it's it's, uh, something you really need to predict protect yourself against because it is not curable. It is something that is in your blood and um, suppresses your immune system. And eventually, if not um, treated properly or taken care of properly, um, it can lead to AIDS, which is um, much more serious for your health. But living with HIV isn't something that is necessarily a death sentence. It, it, it is treatable and it is something somebody can live with, but it is most definitely not something somebody wants. So again, I'm going to go back to making sure that even if you're not necessarily having sex with somebody, it's always important to have these talks. And if you're um, contemplating or maybe even considering having a sexual relationship with somebody or in a relationship with somebody, it's always important to have um a conversation first. <laughs> talk first. <laughs> yeah, talk with them first and, you know, speak about sexual health and what your risks are. And also it's it's the most important person to have these kind of talks with, especially if you're going to be uh, engaging in further physical activity. It's always important to make sure that you do it in a safe way. Um, does anybody have anything else to add? Every community have a hospital, so get checked. Mm-hmm. They have a schedule set up too, so like if you want to get a pap smear, they do it like on certain days, like in the morning or in the afternoon. Yeah, and I, I've, I've heard that the health board is coming up with different ways to get tested, so even different doors you can use. You know, you mm-hmm. don't go in through the regular door to the hospital. There's a special door that nobody will see that you can go and hide in, you know? So those things, especially in a small community, it's it's good to have those options to go and and to, you know, the stigma's there. We, we're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, I'm going to get a, hi, I'm here for a test. You know, it's not going to be like that one shot. But, no, but we should... Try to get towards that because uh-huh. that's the only way you stop spreading infections and diseases. I was saying after you get tested, you should walk out with a teacher that says, I got tested. You yeah. know, like if you're if you're if you want to really start something, you know, everybody copies what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you feel proud enough to walk out. With that T-shirt that says, I got tested, you know, people are going to be like, what the hell? It's going to be weird at especially, first. Especially if, like, small children look up to you a lot. Yeah. Like, the I worked as a lifeguard for two years in my town. Like, and I basically helped raise the community's children by teaching them how to swim and mm-hmm. giving them activities where they can do something and you know, give them a goal to to have. Like, if I thought that, you know, me getting tested in town and I had that shirt that says, I got tested, 
I'm pretty sure those kids would understand, like, you know, it's would a start, good thing. They would ask questions. What do yeah. you mean you got tested? Oh, What'd I you get tested t- for? Like, like, bring up the questions yeah. and we so can like, have a knowledge sharing yes, teaching. If you're a role model to, like, anyone in your town, get tested, get that shirt, like, call me up Reference. if you want. Like, let me know. <laughs> so... Um, if you need more info on sexual health, um, anybody who's listening out there, uh, you can go to irespectmyself.ca and you can uh, check out that website and you'll be able to get more information, also more resources. Also, if you are unsure about how to go the process of getting checked in your community, uh, you can always call your CLSCs in advance and ask the nurse um how the process works. Like I said, it's not it's not painful. It's not physically painful. Um, uh, your ego might be a little bit bruised, mm. but in the long run, um, you'll thank yourself for keeping yourself healthy and your future partners or your current partners will also thank you. So again, if you need more information on sexual health, please go to irespectmyself.ca. We can also continue this discussion online. Check the checkup Facebook page this week. We want to know when are you sleeping with more than one person and how do you stay safe? Okay, now that's weird. When yeah. you're sleeping with more than one person. Yeah, sorry, you that came out really weird. <laughs> when, are you, when are you sleeping with more than one person? Tell I'll call in all of them. Call in all of them. Okay, anyway. stories. <laughs> all right, guys. Woo. So thanks again. Be Thank safe, you. stay safe, and spread the good word. We are here with Bridget Irison Valois, a nurse working in the north. Yeah. So you have experience working in various communities within Nunavik, am I right? Yeah, I've worked, I uh, actually started in 2010, and I've only worked on the Hudson Bay Coast. All right. I've done maybe three communities so far, and I worked full-time in Inukshwak for three years. Nice. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so this is um, Busywood by the Checkup Project. Um, I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this part of the segment, I'd like to speak with you about maybe um, some of the stereotypes around getting checked or having checkups while living in the communities in the north. Because for our listeners who may not be familiar with how it works is each community has a small CLSC center. Mm-hmm. And in the in these centers, uh, we have resources where we can go in and we can get um, our screenings done. We can get our pap tests done as well. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, we can get vaccinations done. We can even um, go get treated for minor infections. So um, you worked as a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, you've worked on the Hudson Coast. In particularly, you've worked with sexual health. So can you would, can you tell us um, what's a checkup? I mean, does it hurt? Do you have to get naked? Walk me through what happens. When you walk into the clinic for a checkup. Okay, perfect. So I think those are very common fears. 
Um, so when you go in, you, of course, are usually greeted by the interpreters who do your screening. And if you're uncomfortable saying why you're there because you're there for a checkup or, you know, it's a member of your family and you're just shy, many times on the consult paper it says, wants to see a nurse. And that's fine. And it could be for many, many different reasons. And that's an okay reason for coming to see a nurse because you want to come see us. So they just go and they take your vital signs and then you get called by a nurse. Also, if you're uncomfortable by, be seen, by being seen sorry, by a male nurse, you can also say wants to see a female nurse or the other way around. If you're a boy and you really want to see a male nurse, you have some questions or you're just nervous. You don't want to be seen in front of a female. You can ask for a male nurse. Although in small communities that only might only have two nurses and those two are female, unfortunately, your choice is a little bit limited. But if you are lucky to be in a community that does have a male nurse, you can always ask for a male nurse. And so when you go into the consultation room, um, you don't have to get fully naked. No. <laughs> Usually there's a bit of a questionnaire first. There's some questions about, you know, if you have symptoms, what are your symptoms? Um, since when... Uh, and then we do the exam. So for women, usually we offer just like a gown so you can stay gowned on the top. Um, and especially if you're complaining of symptoms, like, oh, it hurts, or I have burning when I pee. Or, or rash. Or rash, yeah. So we would like to see what this rash is, you know, or, oh, you know, it's been really itchy or... So for women, it's kind of like the same as a pap test. So yes, you have to be kind of naked from the waist down, but you keep your top on and it's, you know, we lock the door, close the drape, you know, so no one can just walk in on you. Um, and it doesn't hurt. Usually it doesn't last very long at all. There's just a couple of swabs that we have to insert into the vagina, but they're small little Q-tips, so it shouldn't be really uncomfortable. I always say it's not pleasant um, or if you're just coming because you, you know, you have a new sexual partner and you just want to make sure that you're clean before you engage in, you know, unprotected sex, then it's even simpler. You can just provide pee and or we sometimes even give you the swab. You can go to the bathroom yourself, come back and that's done. So that's for women. And, and most I of the times... Like the first option will probably most likely be non-invasive. Yeah. Like you said, we take a cup, we go into the bathroom, we fill it up, yep. you bring it back and you send it to the lab basically. Exactly. So it doesn't require much more than that. So if you're coming and there's a problem, right. it's a little bit more. You have to investigate a bit like, more. Like if there's a visual, physical issue mm -hmm. that you need to see to possibly diagnose, right? Yeah. So then that's when it gets a little bit more interpersonal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So exactly. And for men too, it's just pee. Like when I started in 2010, it was a little bit less comfortable for, for guys too. There was a Q-tip uh, in the penis, but no longer. Don't worry. <laughs> it's just pee now. Right. Um, so, you know, with the science that has evolved, it's become much more easy and accessible and much less time-consuming to come and get screened and tested. So when we're talking about, you know, um, going in and having these tests and doing these screenings and even possibly even having the examination done, what are we looking for? 
So, um, just like looking, like I guess I'll do it systematically on the outside, if there is any type of, you know, rash or sore or blisters or anything like that to the external vagina. And then on the inside, you know, we're also looking at uh, your cervix, which is like right at the opening of like where your uterus is at the end of your vagina. And if there's any discharge, like is it funny smelling? What's the color? Is there a lot of it? Um, is it bleeding? Things like that. So just anything that would look abnormal. So um, from that, so if we're going to do the swab, the most common is our chlamydia and gonorrhea. But there's also, you know, what we call like a yeast infection, um, other type of like bacteriosis. Um, there's also that's becoming more and more prevalent now is syphilis, which sometimes starts with just like a little sore, a painless sore on like the genitals. Uh, we can also be looking at herpes, which are like burning little blisters, um, HPV, which can also be warts. Um, so there's a few things that we can be looking for all the, in one quick quick look, I guess you could say. Right. Yeah. So we talk a lot about these kind of different infections that um, can cause um, serious health problems if mm -hmm. not taken care of right away, right? Mm -hmm. So we also talked about some of the different things that may intimidate a patient, let's say, like you said, maybe it's somebody who, um, maybe there's somebody they don't want to see at the CLSC because mm -hmm. we live in remote areas where everyone knows everyone. Yeah. And we often worry about, you know, confidentiality. And so, you know, we talk about all these different kind of barriers and things like that, but I'm wondering if you can um, maybe help us with some sort of encouragement, right? <laughs> From what I understand... Um, I think that, you know, the region is more familiar with chlamydia and gonorrhea, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like um, syphilis is kind of, I don't want to say it's a new infection, mm -hmm. but it's certainly becoming more of a common infection when it never used to be this common. Um, so I'm hoping that you'll be able to describe a little bit what syphilis is and what's yeah. the difference between uh, chlamydia, gonorrhea, and syphilis. Yeah, yeah. So syphilis is actually one of, like, the oldest, oldest infections. Um, but it is kind of having a resurgence uh, up north and in North America. It's, you know, crawling back in, as you say. Um, so syphilis is another type of infection. And it also has stages, like... HIV has stages, but they're different. So as I've said, um, it starts often like a week or two after you've been exposed. Uh, you start with that little sore somewhere on your genitals. And it's usually not painless. I mean, it's usually painless. So some, most women, I would say, don't even notice because women aren't there staring at themselves every day. Um, but it's happened, like men too, it happens, and it can be underneath the penis. Or, so that's where, like, the infection got in. And then if you don't notice then, it goes away. But it doesn't mean that the syphilis is gone in your body. And it can go on to stage two. 
And stage two, you kind of have like flu-like symptoms, you know, you're feeling muscle pains and kind of like feverish and just not feeling well. Um, so it's like the infection evolving in your body and it'll go away, it'll come back, it'll look like you're like really frustrated with this cold kind of thing. And often you also can get a rash so that some people are very, have that typical syphilis rash and then you're like, oh, most people don't have rashes with colds. Um, and then if that's still, you still haven't seeked treatment, it can last 10, 30 years later even. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It comes back. And the symptoms are? They're gone. Like people just like, oh, I'm cured. But if they didn't actually get a cure, well, it's still hanging out in your body. Right. And it's migrating to different places. And uh, it can go into the brain and cause like some neurological problems. So kind of some imagine what's going on in your brain so you can oh become confused or this and that and it can go into it's in your bloodstream so it actually can develop into wow. quite unpleasant and dangerous things and it's also very dangerous for a mother if she's pregnant because it can be transmitted to the baby so it can cause actually like stillborns and so, then mm -hmm. let's say there's a pregnant mother and she finds out that she has syphilis mm -hmm. Can they treat her yes. fetus? Well, they treat the mother. Right. And by treating the mother, you're treating the fetus. Okay. So in, I believe it's all of Quebec, but at least I know in the maternities, especially now, knowing that there's a bit of a resurgence, women are screened from the first appointment with the maternity, whether it's the nurse that's following your pregnancy or the midwives, and they test you for syphilis. And it's a blood test. Okay. So they're making sure that they're not missing anyone so that there's no danger to the baby. And they actually screen them again a few months later just to make sure that since then there hasn't been any development or maybe a new partner. Or, All right. Um, so basically with syphilis, when we talk about um, getting a checkup, it's mm -hmm. not going to be by a swab. No, it is a blood test. Another one that I'd like to ask about mm -hmm. is herpes, mm -hmm. right? So I know that... Um, because I do read a lot of statistics and mm -hmm. I do follow up on a lot of different um, health uh, issues and progresses in Nunavik that I know that this is an existing um, an existing STI that happens to be in Nunavik. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that for us? Yeah, so there's different types of herpes. So there is like a mouth, a buccal herpes and there's a genital herpes so on the mouth often people call them cold sores so most people know them as cold sores and not necessarily herpes but it's the same thing it causes that little blister that then becomes like a scab and a little annoyance um so those it's a type of virus so again not as easy to get rid of as chlamydia and gonorrhea that are in the bacteria family um, and they come back as well. So those who do have cold sores know that like, oh, certain triggers, maybe if they're super stressed or if they're about to menstruate or they spend too long in the sun, it, oop, it comes back. So some people know. Um, and so, yeah, it's I just like kind of lays asleep in your nerve and likes to come and bug okay. you when you're feeling bad. But um, you can come and we can diagnose it. So right at the beginning when it kind of is like in its early phases where it blisters and there's a little bit of liquid that comes out, we can take a swab of that and send it. And then if it comes back, yes, it is 
herpes. The next time that you have, you begin to feeling like a tingling or a burning, you can come to the nursing and there is like an antiviral that you can take as a pill for a few days and it decreases its severity and its duration. And also studies have proven that with the sooner you take that medication, it also prolongs the time between two episodes. So if you're used to getting it like every two months, if you take these and you're used to taking them like right when you start feeling that burning tingling, and it's for both, whether it's on the genitals or the mouth, um, it can come again six months later. And then after that, it'll be a year later. So it definitely helps with the quality of life because it, if you have one and, you know, even if you just kiss your child on the lips, you can transmit it. Or if it's on the genitals, not exactly where, you know, condoms will protect you. You can also transmit it to your partner genitally. So it's not... And it's not necessarily fun. curable, but it's treatable. Yes. Yeah. So it's always there, but the better you are at taking these new pills right when it starts and you take the full treatment, it definitely has decreased its... Severity. Yeah. Severity and the frequency that it comes about. So almost to the point where some women and men have very, very little episodes anymore. So almost curable. <laughs> so um, the statistics show that STIs in the North are extremely high. Mm -hmm. um, in your own words, how would you encourage the population to get checked? To come to the nursing, I guess that's the best way. Um, in some communities, hesitant to come, but know that all nurses, all doctors, and even the interpreters are bound by a code. And in, within that code is the code of confidentiality. And all new interpreters, there's courses, and it's reiterated, 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 because it's for the safety and the care of the population. So, you know come even if and people in the waiting room don't know why you're there it's not announced I'm like on your head like oh that's why they're there you know and in some rooms where you can go to the back or more comfortable with a particular nurse and really can confide in them so if you can you can try and see that nurse or some people it's the opposite you know they know the nurses so well and they're friends with them outside of work and they're embarrassed to go and see them but then sometimes there's a new nurse in town who's here to replace someone on vacation. And if you're much more comfortable going with someone that you've never seen before and you may never see again, then see if you can be seen by that nurse. It may mean that you have a little bit more to wait if you're asking for a particular person. But if it's going to be for your sexual health and your well-being, well, what's an extra 20 minutes in the waiting room? And to make sure that you're seen. And especially come before you have symptoms to just, you know, if you have a new partner or you're thinking about getting pregnant or, you know, it's been two years since your last screening, like, what are you waiting for? We're there. We're here. We're, we're knowledgeable. And I think most of us are very friendly. And so come and just get your screening done and, you know, have that peace of mind that you're you're good, you're clean, you're healthy. That's it. Yeah. <clears throat> I really like that you mentioned the peace of mind because oftentimes, you know, um, when you have 
<clears throat> when you're in a relationship or even when you're not in a relationship, but you are having sexual relations, there's always that risk. And there's always that thought on the back of your mind. And, you know, you carry it around. And sometimes it can get a little bit heavy or like, you know, it's there. And you know mm -hmm. it's there. And it's just, you know. That elephant in the room. The elephant yeah. in the room. And that little bit of doubt, like, okay, yeah, I used a condom. But, you know, condoms don't cover everything, like you said, mm -hmm. right? So I'm going to jump in with your encouragement. I'm going to say, go out there. Mm -hmm. Even if you're shy. It's for your own good because in the long run, you know, you have a lot to lose, basically. Yeah, and it's always free. Like, the condoms free. are free. They're available to you. Use the condoms. Woo! Better to prevent than to have to come later and treat, but definitely. And everyone, you know. It's usually a lot more women come, and but the boys are there, too. There's two to tango, so there's... You know. I'm even happier <laughs> you said that. <laughs> yeah. Because I know that's something that's always kind of been um, an issue is that uh, it's easier for so many reasons for women to go in and get their screenings mm -hmm. done. But it's always a little bit more difficult to encourage the guys to come in, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be because, you know, they have um, a different level of pride, a different level of ego, yeah. um, however you want to put it. But they have to come in more often and it's hard because you know it's it, I don't know why it's easier for women to come in and talk about their overall health or their sexual health maybe it's because they already get regular screenings like pap tests so mm -hmm. they might be more used to the um, overall process of everything but I don't know what it is but guys if you're out there listening <laughs> please 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 be the CLSC's guest. They're more than welcoming. Go in and get checked. Exactly. Please, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's, it's really important to have these um, facts to know what is what and to know how to go about it and how to deal with it because it's almost kind of like um, a taboo, right? Yeah, people are very uncomfortable. And also, about it, yeah. oftentimes you don't see it. So it, it's, you know, it's good to have the facts. Um, thank you. Thank you. Let's continue this discussion online on the Checkup Project Facebook page. This week, we'd like to hear from you examples of healthy relationships. Thanks for being with us. Stay awesome. Stay tuned. Use of it is financed by the Nunavik Regional Board of Health and Social Services. Thanks to our host, Louisa Yates, the Twin Flames, and the Beatrice Deerband for the music. Audio Z for mix and editing.
32 Mars for the production. Véronique Morin and Fayla Grizzly from the public health team for content and coordination. Thanks to our guests, Minnie Gray, Brigitte Arson valois and the youth who participated in our discussions. Mostly, thanks to you, our listeners.